Hello and welcome to my first five years podcast. I'm Alistair Bryce Clegg. And I'm Jenny Johnson. And we're early years experts and the founders of My First Five Years, an activities and child development app for parents. And this is the podcast that will help you to find some of the joy in parenting and ditch some of that awful guilt and worry. Absolutely. And help get rid of some of that anxiety and have much more fun. So today is a chance to celebrate all that's good and not so good about dads and being a dad. <laughs> Just the not so good bit. Uh, but also chat about the role that fathers have now. So it's not always easy for dads to know what kind of parent they want to be or what kind of parent they're expected to be. And there are some old stereotypes that do kind of hang around. So today we're going to talk about things like uh, shared parental leave and how lots of research is now showing that dads do play a massive role in their children's lives and it's really beneficial for children. There's also the role that dads play as a single parent or co-parenting with a partner with same or opposite sex. So as dads in the modern age, how do we pull all that together? How do we become effective in our role as partners and as parents? Sounds like an absolute minefield. Some of it is, to be fair. But we're going to talk you through it today with loads of tips and advice and probably a few anecdotes. I'm sure there'll be a few silly yeah. anecdotes. And obviously this is a Father's Day podcast celebrating fatherhood and we have some fabulous examples of dads sat around the table. But there will be mums listening to this that don't have a father either present in their life or a father present in the children's lives. And we just did want to acknowledge that while still celebrating the amazing men in the room today. We decided to enlist the help of two dads today. We have Jason Heron and Jordan Piano who are here from Parenting Tools podcast. They regularly chat about their experiences of juggling work, parenting and partners and a social life, which I'm really impressed you managed to fit in as well. And I think many of us mums can relate to that juggle too. I'm here to put the mum's perspective in every now and again. It's a dad special. I know, it's a dad special. Mum schmums. Mum schmums indeed. (laughs) So welcome Jason and Jordan. And as you say on your podcast, can you tell us who are you and what have you got? (laughs) Thank you so much for having us, by the way. You're very welcome. Uh, So I'm Jason. I've got... Uh, one daughter, uh, she's three next month, and she's already bossing me about. Um, about and I'm right. married to my wife, Emily, and uh, that's us. And, and I'm Jordan. I've got a three and nine month old boy and a one and eight month old girl. And I'm married to Leanne, been married for seven years. Wow. So, right in the beginnings of that kind of parenting journey. Yeah. Yep. So, from your point of view, tell us about your dad's journey then, because this is a Father's Day special. What did you think it was going to be like? And is it anything like you thought it was? Because from my perspective, obviously my boys are now 23, 21, 19. So I'm kind of other end of that journey. And it was nothing like I thought it was going to be. And it just gets worse. And it can be nothing like you were hoping it was going to be. We talk about it often, both of us. Oh, to be honest, I'm not sure if I ever thought what it was going to be like before it happened. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I became a dad, then I went, oh, I'm a, I'm a dad. I've now got to think about this. And in that same like moment, all of the thoughts about what my dad was like, what my experience was, what I want to be, all of that kicked off. And it's quite intense, isn't it? Like yeah. analyzing everything that you want to be, even like your spouse, like how you want to be as a partner. Mm-hmm. All of those questions come flooding in and they don't leave. They're constantly there. Yeah. Um, it's a bit of a shock to, to adjust to it. However, it's been really refreshing. Like it feels like nowadays people are more prone to talk about actually what it's like to yeah. be a good dad. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. And it feels a lot more open and less pressure to be a certain kind of way, mm-hmm. um, which is nice. 
Because um, I think you're right, you don't know what kind of dad you're going to be until you are a dad. And also, it's interesting when you're in a partnership, if you are in a partnership, it's what your partner's expectations are of a dad, which you don't really discuss. When you get into a relationship, you fall in love, you get married, it's just about the two of you together. Suddenly this child comes along and then you've yeah. got these parenting roles that you didn't have before. And it's that kind of was never discussed about like what kind of dad do you think I'm going to be? So it's kind of working it out as you go. Yeah, and uh, what we found is that what we expected was different to actually in practice. So mm-hmm. what my wife was going to be like, what she thought she was going to be like was very different to how she actually is. Yeah. And everything changes for, as soon as you've got this little human that you've got to look after. And it's just trying to figure it out without putting too much pressure on yourselves. Yeah, yeah, that's key. What about you, yeah. Jordan? So I always knew I wanted to be a dad because I love my dad. And like me and my dad were like best mates growing up. So I always knew I wanted to be a dad. And you always have that thing of blokes that say like, oh, I can barely look after myself kind of thing. I'm not ready for kids yet. I can barely mm-hmm. look after myself. And even though that was true, <laughs> I knew I still wanted to be a dad and I was excited for that. And you mentioned it, Alistair, when you're on our podcast, you typically parent the way you were parented yeah. or against that. So I always knew that I wanted to take bits from how my dad parented me. Um, but then just talking now, did my wife think that I would be a dad like her dad was? So if that makes sense. Yeah. Was she thinking, yeah, my husband's going to be like my dad was. Yeah. And we're very different people, me and her dad. He's not He's not so outgoing as me. So um, yeah, that's interesting. But yeah, I, I love being a dad. I absolutely, it's the best thing in the world to me. And you can tell I slept well last night. <laughs> if you asked me that two days ago, I'd have been yeah. like, oh, it's horrific. Yeah, I think that that's part of it. It is a any kind of parent journey, mums or dads, it's a bit of a roller coaster. And it does depend which day you ask as to which answer you get. I mean, fundamentally, you love your children, but being a parent is difficult and nothing really prepares you for being a dad. Yeah. And I remember, you know, interesting to get your kids' point of view. That's like mine will freely express their point of view now because they're of that age. And I was saying to Jenny earlier, I remember my eldest when he was about eight said to me, you're not a normal dad, are you? Yeah. <laughs> and I kind of couldn't delve into quite what he meant by a normal dad, but I kind of got the gist because I wasn't doing the football thing. I wasn't doing the kind of typical male dad thing, which he was used to his mates' dads doing. And he wasn't complaining, but it was just, again, the whole idea of what society says, yeah. not only what a man should be, mm. but what a dad should be. And I think... That's possibly changing over time. At least I hope it is. Mm. I feel it is observing the expectations now. I think there are just no clear expectations. I think people are allowed to create their own path and their own journey and Mm. there's no right and wrong answers anymore. Whereas in the past, it was very much, you do this, you go out to work, you provide. you. And I suppose it can be quite a confusing place for fellas now as well to figure out where they fit into the world. But I think you can create your own journey. I think that resonates so well because my expectation was like, just be a provider, like yep. go back to work as soon as possible, all that yep. sort of stuff. And so my daughter was born in lockdown. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of dads in my boat spent more time with their, especially unexpectedly newborns. So. Yeah, unexpectedly. Yeah. But now coming out of that, it's actually, I don't want to go back to how it was before. Mm-hmm. I, I rather enjoyed that. Yeah. yeah, I still have that tension within me that's, I need to provide. I need to make sure that like we have enough to survive, all those sorts of things. My wife works full time as well. Yep. Uh, but there's still like that innate desire to want to, provide and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. whilst at the same time I want to spend more time with my kids and I feel like that's becoming more common a lot of the conversations I'm having with like new dads are taking more time off work um, especially with like the newborn stage how much yeah. time can I take off yeah. rather than two two weeks and go back to work 
I think what we're realizing as well is providing financially is one thing, but providing emotionally is probably significantly it's more good, important yeah. than the finance. Because mm-hmm. I think if I think back to my dad, like I was born what, in 1969, so it's quite a long time ago now. But <laughs> he was, we were proper northeast of England, mining village kind of male mentality around the men went out to work and the women stayed home, looked after the kids. And that was very much how I was raised and what his expectations were that he went out and worked and my mum worked and just did all the other stuff as well. So in terms of all the nurture bit, even down to the kind of changing of nappies, all of that just was, wasn't expected of him and nobody have expected to do it. Whereas I really enjoyed all of that and that mm. opportunity to get I mean, some of the nappies I enjoyed more than others. <laughs> the opportunity to have that closeness with your children and have that kind of bond where, I mean, your children can become, as they get older, friends and other adults that you want to share time with as opposed to just being your child that you kind of just provide financially for. Yeah, my uncle never changed a nappy. My dad never changed a nappy. You know, he was in the pub when I was born waiting for the call to say she's here. You know, that was how it was done back then. You, yeah. He went to the pub and my mum went to hospital and, you know, I don't know what happened after that, but I just remember my mum clearly telling me, yeah, your dad went to the pub and waited for the call. It's just bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, my dad went straight back to work after I was born. Yeah. That's because it was necessary. Yeah. But also there wasn't that kind of parental leave and paternity leave in place back yeah. then. And I think we were talking about this, that, the paternity leave is really positive and there are lots of positive moves forward in terms of policy. But the culture around dads, especially in the workplace, especially in some workplaces, is like the paternity leave exists. But if you were to take six months off, yeah. then just be aware that everything's going to move forward. And so there is a pressure that if you take that time off, mm-hmm. which is a pressure that women have always had as mothers. But for fathers, you know, the opportunity is there. But I think there are still some fathers out there that feel they can't take it because if they took the time away from work, things would move on and they might miss an opportunity. So I think there's still a piece to be done for society around valuing that time for dads as much as it is for mums. Yeah. yeah. I was with a guy yesterday who's got a two-week-old and it was his first day back at work on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. His wife had a cesarean and it wasn't straightforward. So she can't do anything. Yeah. yeah. So he's doing everything at night time. He's doing everything in the day, straight back to work. That's That's got to take its toll on, yeah. on someone. And, you know, kind of feel that pressure as a man sometimes to just crack on because you've got no other choice. And that's true sometimes, but I really felt for him. Just, it got to like two o'clock and I had a 5.30 wake up yesterday. I was, I was shattered come two o'clock and I just looked across at him. He had four empty coffee cups (laughs) and I just thought, bless him. Like he's just plowing through with a smile on his face and good on him. It's when you're surviving on kind of no sleep and energy drinks that you know, like something's got to give. And for, for all parents, you go through that, especially in those kind of first three months where it's really difficult. And you do have that trauma of when you shut the door and think, what on earth have we done? Mm. Hurrah, we've got a baby and this is amazing. But like, what, what do we do now? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. remember that feeling. Yeah, it's just trying, I think, as well to think about the mental health of men and how really we're not very good as a, as a gender at sharing that. And I think that's getting better. And certainly when I talk to my older male boys about their mental health, they're way more forthcoming with mm-hmm. talking about it. And also there's a lot more in the culture of, where they are, that their friends will talk about it. But I think for dads particularly, if you're locking yourself away thinking you've just got to be the provider and make everything okay and you're not talking about how you feel and you're stressed and you're tired, then that's going to have really negative ramifications. And that's, again, something we could encourage more new dads to get involved in just talking about how they feel. 
Yeah, I think culture's only going to change if people are brave and speak up about it. And I know as a, my previous business was a large business, I had 500 colleagues and I used to say, look, let's be truthful about what we're doing. If I'm going to sports day, I'm going to say I'm off to sports day. I'm not going to pretend that I'm off to some high powered appointment. Or, yeah. yeah, exactly. I think it's just really important that we are honest about what's going yeah. on. And I think, you know, a lot of fellas that I observe seem to feel that they can't be truthful about why they're having to nip out, why they're late, whatever's going on. Yeah. I've got a direct personal friend that's rushed back to work because he's basically been told, if you're not back at your desk in two weeks' time, somebody else will be there. So competitive is the work environment that he mm. works in that it's been yeah. made absolutely mm. clear to him that their expectations are mm. work first. Yeah. And he's accepting of that because, yeah. you know, he is ambitious. He does want to provide for his family. But he does exhaust himself then wrapping around that work day mm. and wrapping around at the weekend because he also wants to be that present dad that is involved and it's so, so difficult. But then, you know, as a mom, I went back to work at six weeks and I was doing all that as well. So I have to sit here listening to your dads and I know it's a dad's <laughs> podcast, but I can't sit here silently as a mom pretending we don't have all the same issues. It's just so incredibly difficult. And then I was in Copenhagen in December chatting to new parents because I always do strike up conversations with anyone with new kids because we've got an app. And he was telling me that he was just about to start his six months off and his wife was just about to go back to work after her six months, fully paid. Wow. And they were both excited about it. It was the clear expectations of his workplace and of the culture that that's how it works. Mm. And it was just a breath of fresh air. And it's like, how do we get from where we are to there? Because that's yeah. where we need to be. And I think as well, like as a man watching like my wife put her career on hold as well, mm -hmm. it's I don't think we're even yet in the place for supporting women enough in their mm -hmm. careers because it's it's not full pay. It's quite a hit. Yeah, yeah. And if you can afford to take off more than six weeks, mm -hmm. that's like a luxury position. Mm. And so I know we've got like helpful laws for men being able to do shared parental leave. Most employers don't really know how to navigate that. Yeah. Um, and like the pressures are there. Like you might, you, what is your job going to look like when you get back? Mm -hmm. But it's still just just probably even worse as well for women who are expected to take off more of that time as well. That's um, why as a woman, I'm so keen to see it equalized <laughs> because I think that's what yeah. creates equal opportunity in the workplace. Because when we go for a job interview, they don't look at you and me differently thinking, ah, but she's going to be off. Well, not me anymore, sadly. But, you know, women of a certain age, whereas if actually we were both likely to be taking our six months when the time came, then it absolutely creates a, a better environment for us all. So we're fighting for it too. Yeah. <laughs> we want to see it. But also good for the benefit to society of a child that has real emotional security mm -hmm. is massive. Doesn't matter how much money you've got, if you haven't got that kind of, you know, those core attributes around resilience and good mental health are the things that are going to prepare our children for the society that they're going to inhabit, inhabit in 20 years' time, which is going to be very different from the one that kind of we live in. And what's exciting about that is hopefully the expectation around all parents but dads will be different because mm. we'll have seen the benefit of you know what that can be and i think you, you mentioned even like like mental health is a huge part of it so my, my daughter was born in like pretty awful circumstances and then my wife had really bad postnatal depression um so i i just quit work that was the only option that we had and mm -hmm. so for I think for eight months like my career was almost stopped and it was gladfully like, that's what needed to be done yeah. but now it's the perspective of any new dads i'm like take as much time as you can afford mm -hmm. like Work life will always be there. Like it might not be the same, but you can't get that time back. And it's like your own mental health is far more important than all of those other things. Absolutely. I think it's sometimes as well, 
gives you opportunities to do something different. So because you were forced to do one thing yeah. and you took the time and then you go back to something and you actually find you're doing something you enjoy way more, start your own podcast, all that kind of <laughs> stuff. And it's those things that you didn't expect that offer you those opportunities. And children are really good for that. And that's a big reason why we did start our podcast is partly your experience where you had this expectation of what being a dad was like and then that just didn't happen when she was born. But we're at that age where a lot of our friends are having kids mm -hmm. and starting to have kids. And one thing we don't do on our podcast is give advice because it would mm -hmm. be dreadful. <laughs> but <laughs> We're not experts. Yeah, but we, we just share experience. And I remember there was a guy, um, he was on paternity leave at the same time as me. His little girl was two or three weeks younger than my son. And he said, you know when you change a nappy, do the hips click or like, do they click sometimes? I'm like, yeah, like I've noticed that, but he's fine. And it was just like a breath of fresh air for him. He just took a deep breath, like, okay, I'm not hurting her. Yeah. And and it was that kind of, I didn't give any advice, but I just mm -hmm. said, I'm going through what you're going through. Yeah, I can relate. I can yeah. relate. Yeah. And that's what a big driver of our podcast is, is for people to listen to it and go, do you know what? I can relate to what you're saying. Yeah, you're shattered. Yeah, it's, I, I saw someone the other day say, the thing that I like to do most in the world is spend time with my kids. Mm -hmm. The thing I like to do second is spend time away from my kids. And it's like that thing of it's okay to feel like that because yeah. I'm hearing other people, whatever it is, like the thing about your job. Yeah, it's okay that I want my career to take a back burner because I'm hearing somebody else say it. Or it's okay that I still want to progress my career as a parent because I'm hearing somebody else say it. So that's what we aim to do really is just share experience and let people know mm -hmm. that this like amazing topsy-turvy love-filled boat of parenting you're not in it on your own and it is physically and emotionally draining because you don't know what you're doing so you're constantly presented yeah. with it's like if you worked in a job where you were constantly presented with scenarios where you didn't know what to do and you just had to kind of make it up as you went along you wouldn't keep that job for very long but that's what parenting basically is which is why it's good to be able to share and i think historically Mothers particularly have been really good at sharing and partly because of how society was structured. So they tended to be off more and there are more parenting groups that are available. And I think, again, a really good turn in the tide would be for all parents, especially dads, to have the opportunity just to talk. Because when you do talk, that's when the nuggets come up like, do the hips click? And, you know, <laughs> do the hips click? Not, not all children, but some children do. Um, and then, you know, for us, it was like when we had three boys and when you change nappies, the fact that invariably you're going to get weed on at some point. Absolutely. And you, have, you have to know the strategy for how you change a nappy without getting tingled on. Also, <laughs> because I have three girls, I did change uh, one of my cousin's kids' nappies and a boy's nappy, and I didn't realise you needed to tuck down. Yeah. So, yeah, that's not great when you leave it tucked up and they have a wee. It just yeah, goes just everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's all sorts of little nuggets that we need to share with each other. Absolutely. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah, I remember when we had our, so you both got three. Yeah, We're on two. Mm -hmm. And we're having that conversation of, do we roll the dice? Do we go again? D don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it is like, I, I love my kids and I'd, I'd love to have a baby uh -huh. to just fall asleep on my chest. Like, I love that. I'm not sure I want another child. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not you sure. Just need I want to find mates that you can lend yeah. one off, yeah. have a cuddle, pass it back. And it's eternal debate, isn't it? So, like, my brother's got four, my sister in law's got four. It's just, and for us, we we planned the first one. We didn't quite plan the second one, and we certainly didn't plan the third one. But that <laughs> that was kind of what we got. And then I did something more permanent that meant that it couldn't happen again. 
clearly were very careless in the producing children department. <laughs> tucked it down. Yeah, literally <laughs> tucked it down. So it's, I think it's just sometimes what life chucks at you. So you, yeah. get, you get what you get. Um, but yeah, and it, like when we had one, I was like, I don't know how anybody has two because how can you ever love anything as much as you love that first one? And it's the classic about it. And yet you get another one, you find that you actually you can. Yeah. And so it goes and so it goes. We planned all three of ours, but one thing I don't think we realised when we had the third is everything changes. Your car needs to change. Yeah. Booking hotel rooms becomes a yeah, nightmare. Very Nothing that you do online works in fives. It either works in fours or sixes. Yeah. It's just, so then for a pounding for a penny, maybe we should add another one. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. But, um, <laughs> How did you cope with being outnumbered? Because I've got a boy first who's very much like me. He's just a ball of energy. Yeah. And I just feel like I would lose one of them <laughs> and get myself on like the news. No, I don't think you, you don't, it's not the physical, you're very good at managing the physicality of your children. Like you always check you've got them when you leave the house and you know, when you come back in again. I think where I found that I became outnumbered quite quickly was because I had children, I got the children I deserved, which is what my wife would say. So my boys are very like me in that respect, that they've got an opinion, they've got something to say and did from a very early age. And because they were all fairly close together, they became like a pack almost. <laughs> and so you did suddenly feel you had this group of boys that were doing, and my boys were very typical of the stereotype, even though I wasn't as a non-typical dad. So they did a lot of the kind of very boy stuff. And therefore there was havoc going on constantly. Like we never got invited to people's houses when we had three <laughs> children. I remember going around to a friend's house with the three boys who were all very young and they had two girls and their two girls sat at a table and coloured in oh, while amazing. we drank coffee. <laughs> My boys were feral to the point where <laughs> the person we visited said, where's Alfie? He was our eldest, who was about five. He was upstairs in her bedroom, emptying her bedroom, going through our bedroom drawers in her bedroom. Found upstairs, just literally ransacking their house. You wouldn't get invited back for coffee again. Well, I don't know what I did wrong, because although I've got three girls, they were not that compliant, colouring in type. My second one in particular, um, I've got some funny stories about her. So you're saying that you can keep an eye on them at all times. Well, my, uh, <laughs> my brother had three children very close together, and he wanted to take the middle one off to Chester Zoo. And she was the one that would always get herself into a massive amount of trouble. If you blinked, she was gone. She was doing something dangerous. She had no fear and no understanding of danger and was constantly getting herself into it. So I'm saying to my brother, look, you need to be really careful with Jasmine. You have to watch her at all times. In fact, if I was you, I'd put reins on. He's like, don't be ridiculous, Jenny. I've got three kids. I know what I'm doing. Relax. Anyway, a few hours later, he comes back very sheepish to tell me that she'd leant over the penguin enclosure to such an extent she'd fallen in. <laughs> and of course, he could just reach and get her because it was only the penguin enclosure and not the lion's den. But nonetheless, oh, he had to own up that, yeah, she is quite a handful. It's worse when it's somebody else's yeah. child and not your own. And my dad, bless him, I'm giving a really bad example of him because he wasn't a boozer that was at the pub all the time. It was just that that's where you went when you were waiting for your child yeah. to be born. But he, we went on a cycling holiday to Holland and my brother was on the back of his bike. And when we stopped for a picnic, we all drove off and we left my brother at the side of the road for about 20 minutes. And then my dad realised the cycling was a lot easier than he was expecting. And it was because he'd left my brother. We, had, we all had to do a U-turn and go back and get him. So, yeah, you're yeah. making it sound like you can't cock up, but you really can. I'll stick it to then. <laughs> Yeah, we're not trying to put you off, honestly.
So I think historically there has been research that has thought that the connection between dads and their babies has not been as strong, especially mm-hmm. around things like attachment theory. But again, we know way more about that now. And actually, we know that babies can attach to more than one parent equally. And also that, you know, the attachment that fathers have with their children not only is good for the children, but also is good for the dads. It actually physically changes the makeup of your brain, which is quite amazing. Mm -hmm. So I think there's lots and lots of reasons why it's really good for dads to get involved with their children. And I think for parents... As we've said, it's just good to try and find opportunities to make that happen as much as you possibly can. I've said this on our podcast before, where growing up, I've always been like a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. If someone said, can you do this? Or can you be here at a certain time? I would always try and be there because I didn't want to let someone down. Mm-hmm. As soon as I had kids, I would say no to everyone. <laughs> I was just like, nope, kids come first, family comes first. Yeah. You know, if I go out on that, I don't know, work, do or whatever, I'm going to be shattered tomorrow and not give the best of my kids. Suddenly it was like a switch where I just learned how to say no to people. And it was all from having kids. I think partly as well, that will be to do with how you were parented and kind of when you suddenly fall into that role, there's a lot of that that feels familiar. I think for some dads particularly, if they've been parented in a way that wasn't particularly emotionally attached to their own dad, it can be difficult because you've suddenly been presented with all of this very raw emotion that you feel or that your child is requiring from you. And if you haven't been well rehearsed in that, it can be a bit of a, I'm not quite sure what I do with these emotions now. And either I try and express them or I just kind of push them down and move on. So I think if you aren't used to that level, because children will, they're little emotional beings, they require a lot of support emotionally and physically, which is exhausting. But again, as another human being who's been asked to offer that support, if you haven't got those mechanisms, it can be really challenging. When I speak to my girlfriends, and I also reflect back on my sort of first time through the door, when the door shuts behind you, you think, oh my God, what now? I think most partnerships or marriages do go through quite a challenging time when you add a baby into the mix because you're exhausted. I mean, torture, Mm. you torture people by not letting them sleep and you kind of do that to yourself. So nobody's going to be in their best frame of mind. They're not going to be the best version of themselves because I'm not trying to paint a a horrible picture. It is a joyous time, but it is also a challenging time where you've just chucked this new thing into the mix and trying to figure out how it all works and who does what and I think there can be a fair amount of resentment sometimes about feeling that maybe I'm doing more or you doing more or who's pulling the weight, who's not pulling the weight. So just as like dads that are clearly on it, what are some of the things you reflect on and go, I know that this is making a massive difference to me, to my baby, to my partner. What are the things that work for you? That's a really good question. What do you think, Jordan? <laughs> I, I think communication yeah. is for any marriage kids on no kids is or any relationship is is key mm-hmm. and being honest with how you're feeling and what your expectation of that other person is we've had some sometimes difficult conversations of right I really need you to help me out in this area because of this that or whatever xyz I'm tired or I need yeah. to recover but it, it's knowing that it doesn't come from a place of resentment it's for the benefit of everybody which is um, always really hard when you're tired. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember someone, when we got married, someone gave us the advice of never go to bed on an argument. And there's sometimes when you, a new parent, you've just got to pick it up the next day. You've got to pick yeah. your battles and know yeah. when to pick them. I was given that very same advice. And 
I reflect on that as being really quite toxic advice because sometimes what you do to go to not go to bed on an argument is just apologize to someone when you don't really mean it because you just want it over and done with. Or as you say, you just don't have the capacity to properly talk it through. So yeah, when I reflect to... on that, I think I used to always try and not go to sleep on a round, but I don't think it's the best <laughs> yeah, advice just, at all. It just leads to it other arguments. Time. You're not yeah. thinking clearly, you're not conveying, you're, you're snappy. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying bury it. I'm just saying pick it up when you're in a better place or say, yeah. can we talk about this another day? Because I just need to sleep now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, picking your battles, I think for parenting anyway, when, you know, we mentioned before, I want the yellow cup, I want the purple cup, whatever pick your battles and pick them wisely, but same with your, your partner as well. And I think there is an issue around knowing what each other wants and needs and you get very stuck in your own parenting route. Mm-hmm. And if I, if one of you is out at work all day and the other one's at home with the baby, then you've worked all day and you're knackered because you've had a sleepless night and then you've been at work. And whereas normally you'd sit down, you'd, you know, pre-children, you'd have a chat maybe over a glass of wine and some nachos and you kind of share your day and you'll be able to express what you feel. And you're also knackered and ratty. Yeah. And also I'm thinking, oh my God, I've got home. I'm knackered. You've been at home all day watching the rain and this morning. Why haven't you made me tea? And maybe this thinking, is why. Yeah, <laughs> there are challenges. I am knackered. Why isn't he just taking the baby off me? I've had this baby literally stuck to me all day. Mm. I just need two minutes to myself. And so... Sometimes it's not done through malice, it's done through a lack of communication, through knackeredness. Yeah, and perception, because I have to say, just listening to what you said there, it's bringing a massive smile to my face in the sense that I know myself and my husband had always worked full time and I knew that Oliver was thinking, yes, she's on maternity leave, I'm going to (laughs) come home to my tea on the table. Never happened once. He was lucky if I was even dressed by the time he got home. And I have to honestly say, I found it easier when I got back to work. I found being a full-time stay-at-home mum utterly exhausting. Mm. Yeah, I think my partner's expectation was that I was going to become that wife that you'd always hoped I'd be, and I was just not. I was the antithesis of, so... I don't think you can expect either person to fully appreciate the experience of the the other other. unless you talk about it. And And I guess that's what we're literally trying to do here, isn't it, is to share those crazy... All you talk about when you've got a brand new baby is the brand new baby. How many times is it pooed? What colour was the poo? What consistency was the poo? How much milk did they drink? Did the health visitor come? And there's little time just to sit and talk about your day. Yeah, and each other's needs, yeah. Yeah, that element of communication is difficult, but much better to try and have those conversations than to harbour that kind of resentment that will inevitably build up through frustration because you're not getting what you need as a partner and as mm-hmm. a parent. Mm. I think it's one of the best skills like any partnership can express is learning to navigate those difficult conversations and just be really clear with expectations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the saying that I always love is like to be unclear is to be unkind. And it's like, I don't know what my wife's thinking, mm-hmm. even though she expects me to know what she's thinking. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like it's when I fail her expectations, she gets mad at me, even if she hasn't told me. And that's the really difficult situation of, I don't know what to do with that information. And so unless we're really clear on what's actually being expected of me, I can't do anything to fulfill that. (laughs) It's also really helpful if you are the kind of typical where you're a dad and you're working full time, book a week off and look after the kid for a week. Yeah. See how tired you are. Walk in the shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. That was game changing. Really change your perspective on how, what you expect from your partner as well. 
As I'm listening to you say the lack of clarity, I'm just again smiling to myself because the story's popped in my head. When I had my second, um, I'd gone into labour at night, I'd gone into hospital and things had slowed down a bit. So they sent my husband home. And the next day, all speedy back up again about six in the morning. They said, oh, you best ring your, your husband and tell him to get back. But, you know, he can take his time. So I relayed that he could take his time and he did <laughs> he went shopping he went and got himself a bit of food got himself Cheeks some up. magazines <laughs> and sort of swanned into the hospital and I'm panting in the wheelchair in the lift on the way to the delivery room like where were you and he's like you told me to take my time you know I didn't mean it so yeah I mean we're all on a hiding to nothing with this communication thing aren't we we definitely clearly as we're, we're listening to each other's stories we need to find a way to be clearer probably say, say what you mean and I know you have a lot of women that listen to this podcast, a really practical thing that I found helped me was our changing bag. Mm-hmm. So when we were expecting our first, my wife was looking at all these like, basically like handbags, yeah, like brown leather handbags that were changing bags. And I thought, I don't want to carry that around. Uh-huh. So we got a, like a backpack instead. And I was just so much more comfortable helping out when we were out and about and say, look, I'll go change them because mm-hmm. of the bag. Yeah, I just didn't, and I'm not a manly man. Look at these arms. <laughs> Why are we all laughing so but, loudly? Come on, That's guys. very unkind. But, <laughs> but ha- just having a bag that I was comfortable carrying around yeah. really helped me mm-hmm. and made me think, right, I'll, I'll take that and I'll, I'll go do it. And it yeah. is those little conversations that you don't necessarily have the time for, but if they can make a massive mm. difference. And I think picking up on your point about taking a week off and look after your baby it's very different looking after a child on your own than it is as a couple. So when there's two of you there, yes, it's exhausting, but it's nowhere near the same as when you've got that one child on your own. I remember the first time I had all three of mine on their own, all under five, one of the scariest days of my life. (laughs) But I was a childcare professional. It was just like, (laughs) how does she do this? Because it was like herding cats. So again, it's just that, you know, nobody's expecting anybody to be their perfect parent. You know, I think people sometimes think that we are mm. and, you know, you should be this, you should be that. But actually, it's just about saying, I find this hard. I find this difficult. You know, I find this easy. Could you help me with that? And keeping that conversation going. Mm. I think I expect to have those conversations yeah. a lot. Like, yeah. We have them all the time with my wife, all the time. And it's uncomfortable, but it's always better afterwards. And it's it's not getting to think, oh, we've cracked it now. It's just always be aware of what else is there going on. I was looking at a parenting on Instagram and they were saying that they sat down on a Friday and they had a review of the week. Wow. And, yeah, and I was like, that's a little bit too far down the line for me. But the basic <laughs> frame is it. This is how our week has gone. How's it been for you? How's it been for you? What can we do better next week? And the, the essence of it was brilliant. Yeah, the essence of it is yeah. absolutely spot on. It might be a little bit formal, but I'd rather that than <laughs> yeah. burying my head in the stand and waiting yeah. for the explosions. <laughs> I'm going to ask a totally unfair question now. So he's thinking, oh my God, what's she going to ask? Well, you know, there's often this like, what makes a good mum? You know, in your view, what makes a good dad? Oh, we got asked this recently. And I, th- I feel like it's it's not my place to say. Mm-hmm. But when I look at like dads that are there, they show up and they try their best. Even if they are making mistakes, like you're a good dad in my view. Yep. If you're there and you're just trying to be the best dad you can, that's a good dad in my eyes. Yeah, and I'd say for mums, that's exactly the same answer, isn't it? We are all here doing our best. Yeah. I think our kids are born perfect and then we mess them up over time. Yeah. <laughs> and we're trying to mess them up in the least degree possible yeah. so that when they're old enough to have a pop back. 
they're not <laughs> recounting too many of those terrible stories about what we've done. So our kids are of that age oh, now where they're yeah. absolutely crucifying us for yeah, it. Yeah, we do, we do chat about that constantly whilst <laughs> crying. Um, so I think what is interesting is that kind of view of what mums often do is just what you do. And dads do it and it's suddenly like, oh, Look at him being a good dad. You know, oh, yeah. 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 You know, dad's pushing the pram. Oh, he's yeah. really kind and caring. Or dad's in the supermarket or with his kids. And stuff. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. 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 But when we do it, it's just expected. And that's that endemic society issue where it should be about parenting. Mm-hmm. And those are just parenting duties. And until everybody is looking at that and saying, there's a parent out with their children, not, oh, there's a dad doing the mum a favour, letting her have a lie in. That whole thing is quite toxic, but yet it still pervades a lot in the dialogue that we have around parenting. So my my wife hates the term like hands-on dad or when a father's looking after their children, the term babysitting. She's like, they're your kids. You're just being a parent. Um, And I I think what's what's helpful from my context, a lot of the dads and parents in, in our circles, it's moving the other way of actually, we're not looking at dads and they're going, oh, they're doing a good dad because they're taking their kids shopping by themselves. It's more like when we're seeing dads who are clearly distant and on their phones, it's that's that's a shame. Mm-hmm. And I think just being aware of that conversation of going, it's, we're not trying to vilify anyone. It's just saying it's, that's just a shame that it's that way. And it's that people's mindsets have given them an opportunity to check out when their mm-hmm. kids are wanting their attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us today, Jason and Jordan. We would like to finish the podcast as we always do with five easy hacks for parents. So shall we see if off the cuff we can come up with five top tips for dads in the early years? Number one, if you're parenting with another person, remember that that relationship is just as important as being a parent. Love that. Number two, remember to talk about your feelings and keep those channels of communication open. Number three, remind yourself that the little battles you're facing are just phases and they will change soon. Number four, if you're really practically, if you're buying a dad car, take your car seat and your push chair with you. Make sure it all fits before you commit to buying a car. Good tip. (laughs) And number five, I think might it would be, let's try and keep a sense of humour as we go because it is tough and everything is going to change. But if we can find a way to smile together and see the joy in the little things, I think that could make all the difference in the world. Now, before we let you two go, where could we find more of you if we wanted to listen? So you can find us on TikTok and Instagram at Parenting Tools Pod, or you can find us wherever you listen to your podcasts at the Parenting Tools Podcast. Brilliant. Uh, Before we go, can we just say a massive thank you for having us on oh yeah thank you really loved it we've loved it it's been a great day it thank has been you. really enjoyable we've all smiled through it and laughed through Absolutely. it and yeah there, you're not going to hear the outtakes but we've had some good laughs <laughs>, <laughs> oh, thank you guys thank you for listening do get in touch if you've got any questions for us or if there's something you want us to talk about on the podcast you can post questions on our facebook community or on instagram you'll find us at my first five years with the five written out And if you want more tips around parenting in the early years, you can download the My First Five Years app from the App Store. And you can also get this podcast direct to your feed by pressing the follow button on your Apple Podcasts app or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time when we'll be talking about your child's journey to walking. So we'll see you then. See you then.